Welcome back to Historical Light, and tonight we're going to be talking about Affinity Lodges. More precisely, the very first Affinity Lodge in Kansas ever. We have some amazing guests with us here tonight that's going to run us through that history and what that meant for the jurisdiction of Kansas. Stick with us. We have an amazing show for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. And now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Historical Light, an independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects of Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers. Glad to have you guys back. And we have with us two amazing guests this evening. Most Worshipful, Cole Presley, and Most Worshipful, Darren Kellerman, both past grandmasters from the Grand Jurisdiction of Kansas and are members of Justice Lodge, the first Affinity Lodge in Kansas. Welcome, brothers. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the invite, Alex. Yeah, it's great to be on. Uh, ground rule before we go on, that's the last time tonight. Darren and I will be called most worshipful. We are long-term has-beens. <laughs> we are Very going there. <laughs> totally understood. Well, most worshipful. Won't let it Won't let it happen again, most worshipful. <laughs> Let me change your name tags real quick to the big MW. No, <laughs> no stoked to have you guys on this evening. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, for those that may not know you guys, uh, if we can get you to go through with more of a personal introduction, let us know just who you are and a little bit about your Masonic history. Uh, Brother Cole, if you don't mind. Sure. So I live in Hill City, Kansas. That's the northwest part of the state. Um, I serve as the sheriff of Graham County. So I've been in law enforcement almost my entire adult life. Um, that's my profession. I'm a proud husband and father to three kids. And I've been a Mason since, uh, 2001. I became a, I became a Mason when I first had moved to town and developed a relationship with the sheriff who I ended up replacing. Um, he, uh, he showed me what Masonry was and that's what intrigued me to get involved. And I've been active ever since. Fantastic. Brother Kellerman. My name is Darren Kellerman. I reside in Ottawa, on the other side of the state from Cole. I work in the southeast corner of the state in Allen County as a deputy sheriff. I've been doing that for just over 20 years now. I've been a Mason for 25, 26 years. I uh, have two wonderful kids. Uh, family lives here in Ottawa. So, Fantastic. Well, we are stoked to have you guys on this evening. Uh, some of you might be noticing the similarity in Brother Kellerman's voice from the intro video to the show. We got him to do the voiceover. So not not a, a stranger to the show one bit. Finally got you on here face to face, right? <laughs> it, it's nice to be on this side of uh, the screen, I think. So. Is it? You're always kind of avoiding that factor. I am. I don't like it that much, so. So we usually try to start off the show by getting to know our guests just a little bit before we dive into the actual topic. Uh, so let's dive in and see, do you guys have family history in Freemasonry? Uh, Brother Cole. 
No, I do not. Um, in fact, most of my family could probably be considered anti-Mason. Um, really? Yeah. How about you, Kellerman? Uh, I do not either. Uh, I was. I found out there's been some extended family in the past that was, but in my direct family line, no. My father became a Mason um, probably about 10 years after I did uh, when he was living down in Moran, Kansas. So he's a member of uh, Marmington Valley Lodge uh, there. Very cool. So uh, most, or sorry, I can't say that. Brother Cole, uh, you kind of alluded to what brought you into the craft, but I, I want to get an answer from both of you. What, what was it that really sparked you to want to be a Mason? And more importantly, that has kept you around all these years? For me, it was, it was Masonic principles put into practical action. So instead like of simply hearing people talk about what we should do as Masons, I worked beside a man for 10 years who did those things every day. And you could visibly see the principles he was taught as an editor apprentice, a fellow craft and a master Mason being put to work every time he came on duty. Uh, that was the biggest attraction for me at that point was clearly this was something that he believed in. He could put into practice and not just, not just run his mouth. Brother Kellerman, how about you? Um, very similar. Uh, the people I was working around uh, belonged to an organization that they thought I might be interested in. And again, they're hardworking individuals. And the more I found out about them, the more I want to be a part of that. And the reason I'm still here is not just because of those men, but because of the fire I see in the people I interact with that are Freemasons here in Kansas, people like yourself and Cole. That's fantastic. Well, you guys have been a treasure trove to the craft of masonry in Kansas since I've been around. So uh, totally thrilled that you guys have maintained because so many brothers will, you know, go through just in the blue lodge, go through the East, sit in the East and kind of never be heard from again. You guys have not only done that, but gone through grand line and are still actively involved and making a difference in this jurisdiction every day. So definitely appreciate all the labors you guys do uh, in front and behind the scenes. Cause I know it's huge. Well, guys, before we get to the main topic for this evening, I do want to start off by giving everyone a chance to join the family here and give a special uh, a special shout out to our current Patreons. So this is a viewer supported show. We've been around since 2016, solely focusing on that of Masonic history. That's our meat and potatoes around here, what we truly love to dive into and getting in on those more intimate topics of Freemasonry, uh, like our local lodge history and those stories that aren't often told and deserve to get some light. So if you want to join the team and help Historical Light continue and grow, you can do so by going to the website, historicallight.com slash support and join us on Patreon. And yes, Yes, if you like to pay through PayPal, you can pay on PayPal with Patreon. Uh, we have different packages on there that you can support the show, get lapel pens and all that jazz and help us keep going and growing. And we support every bit of it. We also want to say we do have Masonicon Kansas coming up right around the corner, August 27th, right here in the Kansas City area, being Prairie Village specifically. And we uh, see our sold out for the Founders Club tickets. But we still have options available. Tomorrow is actually the last day you guys can get in for any swag items through the day passes or the virtual pass 
after tomorrow. You can get the virtual and you can get the day, but no swag. We got to cut that off. It's going to be an amazing event. We have a huge lineup of speakers flying in eight speakers from around the country, actually internationally, and vendors, two topic panels. It's going to be an amazing day of masonry with uh, brothers besides the speakers just the attendees flying in from all over the country and beyond. So if you haven't got your chance yet, get over to the website, MasonicConKansas.com and join us here in KC, August 27th. All right, brothers. So this evening, we're going to be talking about a lodge that is near and dear to both of you. Like we've said, you've gone through your home lodges, you've gone through Grand Lodge, but there's a special thing some Masons have the pleasure of getting into, and that is chartering a lodge. You guys did that, but not only did you do that, you chartered an affinity lodge, and there was some difficulty there because that had not existed in Kansas prior. So I want to hand it off to you guys. Tell us a little bit about what brought that about and kind of tell us what that looked like bringing an affinity lodge to a jurisdiction that did not previously uh, have affinity lodges in place. Well, before we get into the structure of how that came in, sure. we have to talk about the idea of how it came together anyways, because it, it was such a moving moment that it set the, the tempo for all of it. So we were at in 2010, we were at the district and area deputy grandmasters, uh, orientation in February. And I'd happened to walk into the room <clears throat> and met then uh, Mike Halloran, who walked up and we started talking for a little bit. And he says, hey, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a cop. And he says, that's cool. I'm a prosecutor. So we go over and sit down. And then Darren joins us. And I think Mike had asked him too. Yep. Hey, what do you do? Yep, I'm a cop. So then the, the conversation became, wouldn't it be cool if we started a lodge that was just for cops? And boom. The heavens opened, light came down from heaven. Just like that. And just like that. And it was done. And <laughs> um, what became, at least at the start, um, an idea over wanting to do something that we felt was going to be cool turned out to be a little bit of a logistical challenge because you, you teased that already, that there had never been an affinity mm -hmm. lodge in Kansas before to get chartered we had to seek dispensation to exist and then seek a charter as an occasional lodge not an affinity lodge affinity lodges didn't exist in kansas until we created the bylaw several years later um, so it added quite a few levels of complexity and, and darren can add uh, um, on to that or, or cut me off at any point but it took a lot of conversations behind the scenes with um uh, the Grand Lodge officers that were in power at that time uh, to convince them that what we were doing was the right thing to visit with a lot of influential local lodge leaders statewide to let them understand we weren't trying to become just another appendant body that was going to take their members away that this was going to be something that was for brothers who are in law enforcement to be able to to meet on two levels that 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 other folks simply can't um, and we felt like it would turn into something special. Yeah, Cole was intricately involved in that. Cole and Mike Halloran were the workhorses for the Foundation of Justice Lodge. I got to nicely end up, I'm being the secretary, so I got to watch that from the sidelines for most of it. But Affinity Lodges, for those that don't know, it's just lodge composed the membership of those that have a specific affinity or something in common. 
And for Justice Lodge, it was being, I call it the white hat lodge because it's the prosecutors, uh, cops, uh, detention officers, uh, judges. Um, I didn't say dispatchers. it, dispatchers as well. All the white hats. And the concern that I think Mike Halloran had is there was some brothers that he knew that didn't go to their regular home lodge because they had concerns of, well, we're law enforcement officers and we may not feel comfortable attending our regular lodge for whatever reason that may be. Not saying it's true across the board, but people with that like affinity, whether it be law enforcement or gardening or whatever it is, they tend to like to affiliate together even more, more so. And it's nice when we go to lodge and we have that bond in common and that's what got us going. And it, it was great, but the concern from some of the local lodges was you guys are going to be stealing our members. And the counter that we put in place, it, it, Grand Lodge didn't set it is, we won't make masons. And that's really, and that works sure. against you as well. So your lodge, it doesn't make masons. We can, but we don't want to steal any masons from your right. lodge. Uh, we want everybody to have a connection to their hometown, uh, like every good law enforcement officer should have already. And we've stuck with that for 11 years now. And we have not made any masons. We, we really want to, and we may soon. Uh, you can see Cole shaking his head because he knows we should. Uh, and I, there's some young officers out there that we just may latch on to. But uh, that really helped sell it to a lot of lodges to get the voted in communication. So that's fantastic. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to visit you guys a couple times, even speak uh, for Justice Lodge a couple times. And one of the things that I really personally enjoy is, I mean, obviously, so membership is limited to uh, law enforcement and, and related fields, right? Uh, prosecutors, stuff of that nature. Um, however, you guys are a lodge, so brothers like me are able to come and visit and stuff like that. But within the formation of your lodge, you guys went the route of being vor uh, very formal, uh, tuxedos, festive boards, stuff of that nature. What is it that, because, you know, thinking of law enforcement's more blue collar, what, what is it that made you guys want to go that formal route with this particular lodge? Well, when we were kids, we liked playing dress up and having tea parties. And <laughs> that's <laughs> the point of formalizing a lodge meeting is to emulate two specific points. And I mean, anything to do with the dressing up at all. It has everything to do with the fact that this lodge is different, set apart from a local community lodge. We don't act the way a community lodge does. We can't, the way that we're structured. And the lodge meeting itself is supposed to be more substantive than what you would have in a local community lodge. And it's why we make a point of setting the agenda the way that we do, picking the locations that we do, and dressing the way that we do. It doesn't have anything to do with the tux and a bow tie. I hate wearing them. I'm sitting here in shorts now. You just can't see it. It has everything to do with setting yourself up to expect that excellent experience and not only expecting it, but working to create it. Sure. We had, there were several goals in mind. And again, Mike Halloran was, I don't, I, we cannot distract anything from the fact that he was the driving force behind this. He was on the Grand Lodge line at the time, but he was, I don't want to say kind of a world traveler, but he kind of was. He was the educated one of us uh, by far. And Affinity Lodges existed uh, overseas, and there's a few here in the States. But 
the 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 dress uh, tuxedo and such is deep respect for the for the history of our order, but we also wanted to just have a very powerful meeting, and we're the ones that were really behind pushing the consent agenda, and Justice Lodge. I think if you go on the Grand Lodge website, still the consent agenda examples are ours because that's the way our meeting runs. We're cops. We don't like to waste a lot of time with stupid crap. We want to get right to the meat stuff and get to business and get stuff done. And that's get the business out of the way and let's get some sonic education so we can learn something. Let's go have a meal and have a beer. That's where we're at. That's fantastic. And, and, and that's perfect. That's right what I wanted you guys to get at and touch on those points. And the education is another major factor that I wanted to touch on. Um, because, you know, a lot of guys would think, okay, well, we see affinity lodges come around and it's, you know, sometimes just more of a club atmosphere. You've got guys that, you know, are all mechanics or guys that work at the trains and stuff like that. And it's, it's more just guys that are in the same field to kind of hang out. Um, but you guys, again, you, you, you put that serious atmosphere there, but then you also have a prioritization of education placed into it. Really the ideal Masonic meeting atmosphere in general. Um, so what is it within the law enforcement affinity lodge that made you guys want to make education a primary aspect? Baffled. <laughs> there was no question uh, from any of us that that's what we were going to do because we wanted to have that guest speaker come in and Cole was our strategic plan guy then he was building it for us and he built in you know we're going to have this with our due structure we're going to have a speakers fund so we can bring guys in and that's how we could afford you to Alex to come in a couple times you know <laughs> you're speaking piece pretty heavy uh, but we've flown guys in from out of state not a lot just not a lot of lodges can do that. No. We've flown in several guys to speak, put them up in a hotel overnight because, again, having the lo your, your local guys is great. And we have those from time to time. But, again, we're cops. We want, we, we want the best equipment. We want the best of everything. And sometimes we don't get that. But at a lodge level, we can. Right. And, and until uh, Tuscan Lodge came along, Justice Lodge had the, one of the highest dues in the state. Uh, we're looking – uh, currently, our dues is 180 bucks, and for cops to be paying 180 bucks a year, that's outrageous. But you know, everybody willingly—I mean, quicks to pay. We we send the dues notices out, and they're in quick. So, and that's, that's pretty fantastic. good coming from a secretary, because no secretary ever says people pay quick. So, touche. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The other side of making education that key point is creating an outstanding regular communication you leave feeling challenged and some of the best mm, times i've yeah. ever left um a law enforcement training class or anywhere else is is when that class has challenged me to fix or improve what it is what it is that i'm doing and if we can do that not just for ourselves as brothers within justice lodge but open our doors and let other masons from across the state come in and see and hear the exact same thing we're providing a service Agreed. Um, I guess side story to that. One of the most impactful moments for me that I remember very vividly was in our first year. And I can't even I'd have to look to where we were meeting at. We flew in Patrick Craddock from Tennessee. And Patrick, maybe it was our second year, but Patrick had a concern because he was only a member of the Grand Lodge of Tennessee at the time. And they do not recognize Prince Hall. 
Oh, and okay. several, of our several of our members are also Prince Hall members. So for our education, we had to call off. So Brother Craddock sat out in the hallway for our entire meeting just so he could bring us education when we called off. And you'd have never known anything was different, but he was respecting his Grand Lodge rules. But the education, we, he came in that lodge room, gave the presentation, and you'd have never known we were at ease. But the lesson that taught me was just amazing because a lot of brothers wouldn't even probably flown up from Tennessee to do that knowing right. he was walking into potentially facing charges when he got back home. But that's what we in law enforcement do. We deal with situations like that every day. And yeah. Pat Craddock came in and showed us how it's done. That's that's. That's a beautiful message to really think about that. You know, it's uh, you and me had a, a conversation not too long ago. And I remember one of the lines that came out was uh, you just do what's right, no matter what. And that that seems to correlate with that situation right there just beautifully. So we've got a couple messages coming through the Facebook side. Uh, we've got Brother Barry here saying, I was just discussing this yesterday. Lodge is filled with only highway patrolmen. Degree work is clean. <laughs> So, full disclosure, we do have troopers that belong to our lot. They probably get made fun of more than anybody else in that room. <laughs> yes. yes, they do. <laughs> Elwood Phelps. <laughs> so, now, now that's a good question, though. Do you guys have, like, do you know of other law enforcement-based affinity lodges out there in other jurisdictions? No. Um, we did some research on that um, prior to uh, asking for a vote on the floor of Grand Lodge to, to charter. We did we did some research to determine what affinity lodges existed out there, um, and none were of the handful that were none were law enforcement. And, and we'd really kind of hope that it would spur other states or even within our own jurisdiction some other uh, affinities out there. For better or for worse, we thought there might be a firefighter's lodge. The problem is you can't get recliners in all the officer positions. And, <laughs> but with that being said, we do have a fire investigator uh, that we did sneak in because he technically does have some policing powers. Um, and because they all end up really wanting to be cops anyways. They do. They do. <laughs> So just to throw him under the bus there, because he's a brother that uh, belongs to my home lodge and gardener. We're talking about Kurt Nice, if he's out there watching. And I, I know there's some razzling that often goes on between firefighters and police officers. And, you know, it's bringing up a funny memory here. And this, I believe, was before he ended up joining Justice Lodge. But he was one of the busy men behind uh, one of our annual proceedings for Grand Lodge. And I remember... And playing a little bit of a trick, I believe it was on you, Brother Cole, <laughs> with the hat. Do you mind going through that? So we were getting ready for the uh, formal public opening, I believe it was. It, it was. was past rehearsal. It was a public formal opening. And so Grand Lodge officers are running around the room like we all do, trying to make sure that everything is in place. Nobody's touched anything and we haven't. no buttons have been switched. Everything where it goes. And grandmasters at that time really only have to make sure that they've got their gavel in their hat because everybody takes care of everything else for them. I didn't have a hat. It had been replaced with a junior firefighter's plastic helmet sitting 
right on the grandmaster's table for everyone to see. <laughs> I think I still have it. That's fantastic. And I, I know I about lost it when I saw it. He was so smooth with it, just walked up there, no one caught it, just replaced your hat. It's fantastic. And you know, that's that's those little bits of history that never get shared outside of those meetings. And it just it always makes you wonder how much of that type of stuff has happened through the years that you know will just never get brought to light. But that was that was a good one for sure. And in in Cole's defense or offense, being the good sport that we are with each other. He did wear that hat for a moment in the tile section. And of course, cameras not being allowed in there, there is no photographic evidence except but in our memories. But he did put it on. So, that, yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I'm sitting here scrolling uh, through Kansas Lodge of Research. And I'm, I'm trying to remember if we posted it there or somewhere else. But a while back within uh, research for postings, we'd came up with a all law enforcement Masonic degree team. And I believe they were out of Wichita and this would have been like probably the forties or fifties, but there was a newspaper article about them and a, a cutout. And I thought that was pretty cool since, you know, we're talking about uh, not knowing of any other uh, law enforcement based lodges that there is a little bit of history of law enforcement based, at least degree teams right here in Kansas. And if I find that I'll get it thrown up on the, uh, on the screen, but, no luck at this point. I know it's here somewhere. So Let's see. We, yeah, go looking, for it. Alex, um, we have actually done one degree. Uh, Ooh, okay. Tell us about that. Lodge. And Cola, if you want to elaborate more on that. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> trying so to remember where we were. There were and just to prod discussion, uh, we were somewhere and discussion about one day classes came up and some people believe that through the one day class or some sort of truncated or expedited form that some brothers have lost out on an initiatic experience in the first degree. And after we had that discussion, uh, a brother had contacted us and said, yeah, I, I, I missed out on that. And it was, I don't know, cold, maybe six months, a year later, and we we're out in Manhattan, and the brother was in attendance, again, not a member of Justice Lodge, a member of uh, Womiga Lodge, as I recall. And we somewhat, I don't remember if it was a total surprise or a partial surprise to him, but we put on a first degree for him. We called him to the center of the lodge and then cast him out and then brought him back and they did the, we did the first degree on him so he'd get that experience that he missed out on that's and interesting I say a bunch of cops we had we did have um a grand lecture robert talbot assist us but we had cops in every chair so that's pretty cool so now we, we may have covered this already but it's making me think you guys come in and you get this approved to be an affinity lodge get that added to the bylaws to come into existence did that meet with any initial resistance uh, throughout the craft to get that approved prior to uh, the vote at the annual communication the notice had gone out that we were seeking a charter and we had put in there our purposes behind it um, and we did meet with quite a bit of resistance. Um, and it was some of those arguments that we talked about before. You're going to steal our members. Right. If you're not happy with what's going on in your home lodge, change it, um, which is 
is a, is a factual statement, but, um, you know, um, and, and it was, you're, you're making an innovation, um, within the body was, was the three big ones that came through. Mm. So our, our greatest compromise, um, for that was that, um, we had promised we won't make masons. I mean, we, we've gone and helped right. done degree work or, or, or exemplified it, but we won't, we won't make masons. We were kind of geared up for a lot more resistance than that. And then, you know, it, it's, it's like a typical news cycle. Something else comes up and turns out uh, electronic background checks became a much more volatile topic than the existence of Justice Lodge. Yep. And so while we still faced some grumbling, everybody was more mad about that than they were about us. And so we kind of got a, a, a whatever vote would be the best way I could describe it. <laughs> but, it but past that, once we got that done and we got the bylaws created that allowed us to have affinity lodges and you began to see the other ones take shape and come about, right? So 458, 459, um, they jump on board. Tuscan gets on board um, and they didn't face any resistance that I recall at all. So for those not familiar with these other lodges, can you just uh, go through uh, real quick what Tuscan is and how they differentiate from you and any other affinity lodges that it sparked from that? So Tuscan Lodge is, if I understand correctly, is a lodge that's designed for past district and area deputy grandmasters. To be a member of that, you have to be a a past district or area deputy grandmaster. Um, Caledonia is a Scottish-based lodge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) we, We like to trade punches back and forth. So what I say about them tonight, they will... If you ever have them on, but um, so that I think to qualify for Caledonia, you have to be willing to wear a kilt. Okay, uh, and and play an instrument, I believe, also is part of it, whether it's the pipes or the drum. Got to be um, an instrumentalist. I will say, Walt, before he moves on to the next lodge, going well. Actually, I don't want to spoil it. There's going to be a huge announcement about Caledonia Lodge coming out after this broadcast, probably. If somebody can help get that video posted coming out this weekend about Caledonia and what they're doing for Kansas, it's huge. So, ooh, that's exciting news. And there'll be an article about it in the next Kansas makes. It. So, sorry, sorry, Cole, but something huge <laughs> coming with Caledonia. Go ahead. And then 458 was designed as a uh, motorcycle lodge that intended to become that traveling de- degree team. I've not heard much Interesting. from them in a while. But their their intention, their affinity was motorcycles, and their intention was um, excellence in the group. And then also, is it whack me? But so I'll mention the number. But temple builders, same issue. Uh, yes. They were going to be a, a a degree team up in the Kansas City area. That's what yep. they were designed for. That's fantastic. So we, we got a couple more questions here. Uh, this one, I, I believe we've already covered, but let's go through it. Uh, Brother Derek Hockett's on here and saying, can any Kansas Mason attend Justice Lodge meetings? Everyone but the Grand Senior Deacon. Exactly. Um, <laughs> he's got to have an escort. Um, <laughs> For those who don't know, Derek Hockett is a Grand Senior Deacon of Kansas. <laughs> uh, yes. Any, any regular Kansas Mason can attend and we do ask that if any entered apprentice or fellow craft desires to attend that they let us know ahead of time so that we can accommodate them 
without them having to sit outside the door. Um, in fact, our very last meeting, we were yeah. told that we may have an entered apprentice to appear, so we opened on the first. Uh, but any any regular Kansas Mason can come. Um, any regular Mason, period, yeah. can attend our lodge meetings. That's wonderful to know. So we touched on, or you guys touched on a little bit ago, that some of your members are Prince Hall affiliated, and that had caused an issue with Brother Craddock coming up here. Uh, we've got Brother uh, Maddox in the comments, and my Facebook side is just not working right this evening, so I'm losing my comments here. Uh, but Brother Maddox was asking if you could elaborate about your Prince Hall Masons that are members of your lodge. They're dual members like anybody else would be. Um, uh, Prince Hall and the Grand Lodge of Kansas have had a compact in place since the 90s. So we see the Prince Hall affiliate of the Grand Lodge of Kansas as we see the Grand Lodge AF&A in Missouri, Nebraska, any, anywhere else. Um, we've, we've touched on that so many times in the show, but it's always a beautiful aspect to bring up because there is very common confusion around that of, wait, 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 like, yeah, we get that you recognize they exist, but they're intermixed with your meetings. How does that work? And Kansas cool. is in kind of a unique stance in many ways of our level of acceptance. Even better for me. I had never, I've never been to a Prince Hall meeting, um, but I have experienced some of their ritual because two of our past masters are, are Prince Hall brothers. And as they were working up the officer chairs, they were concerned about, well, I don't know the AFA and AM uh, stuff. And since they're past now, I guess we can discuss it without any, repercussion and we told them well don't change it give us your what you do in your prince hall lodge and i want to be honest holy cow they've got beautiful beautiful degree work it makes ours kind of look like a like a chump it's beautiful what they do and it was that every time that they said their piece and especially from the master's chair it was masonic education every meeting right there just watch them do that for us af and am guys and they felt so much more comfortable doing what they knew. And again, that was the right thing to do. So that's what we did. That's beautiful. A hundred percent. And we've got brother Hockett shooting back at you guys here. He's got to get you. You razzed him a little bit. He's saying correction dot, dot, dot grand junior warden. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so until we see the papers to prove that, I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> so the annual proceedings that codify everything that occurred at the annual communication is the official document that codifies all of that. No bylaws change, no official positions change until such time as that document's been released to the lodges for review. And I'll check with my secretary, but I'm quite certain we've not seen that yet. Therefore, two past grandmasters are not in error. <laughs> <laughs> what you got brother hockett come on bring it so, so while hockett we're it's very nice because he's actually he's got one of the harder jobs that we've kind of well that's been dumped on him that cole and i had he's in charge of the communications committee uh now so i guess he could probably censor a lot of the grand lodge stuff but since this isn't affiliated with grand lodge we're good to go <laughs> uh, there you go but i know he's got some awesome stuff coming out uh from the communications committee uh soon and he's actually the one behind the caledonia reveal that's coming up so um there might have been an issue with him not having access rights to to publish that so 
don't know who has that, but uh, we'll see how that goes for him. <laughs> All right. So I talked a little bit about a degree team that may or may not have existed in Kansas in years back and was unable to find that photograph, but scrolling through, I was able to find it here. So I'm going to throw it up on the screen. All right. So we shared this out. Looks like in the Kansas Freemasonry group, uh, which is just a Facebook group open to anybody that's interested in Kansas Freemasonry. We had found this in a newspaper clipping and it shows here actually earlier than I thought. 1930, there was a police department degree team out of Wichita, Kansas. And it shows here uh, all the members, Worship Masters, Sunflower Lodge. Looks like quite a few guys there, but how cool is that? 1930s, law enforcement was gathering together and, and you know, making a, a movement to pave the way. And then you guys, these years later, finalized that by actually making a lodge out of it, which is really pretty cool. So what's interesting about that picture, Alex, is you'll notice they're all wearing white aprons and white gloves. And one of the yes. requirements we had in our bylaws, a, a person can wear a white apron or the whatever apron they choose, we prefer the unadorned or justice lodge apron, but white gloves is part of our uh, dress code in our bylaws. That is pretty cool. And you got a razz on the guy in the middle with the, uh, you know, the tie, not even to his belly button. Come on, dude. It's, that's a uniform <laughs> tie. Don't get, don't get crazy. All that's right. Crazy. All right. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even all have right, his jacket Alex, on. There though. are officers watching this. You're saying. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that was pretty cool when I found that. I, I didn't get a chance. Uh, I want to go back and do some more searching and see what happened to them eventually. This was the only instance I found uh, published. And this wasn't even through, you know, Grand Lodge minutes or lodge minutes or anything like that. We just literally found this in a, a newspaper uh, search that we were doing. And I, I'm really curious to see what happened to them moving forward and uh, at what point they fizzled out because. I don't know of a police degree team that's still active today. So be kind of interesting to figure out their history and where that went. But it's neat to see how through time uh, has morphed into actually becoming a law enforcement lodge in Kansas. That's a good segue. To what? What, what do we segue what to? Saying? You're segueing from picture to what you're talking about tonight. That's pretty oh. sure. <laughs> I think you practice that. Yeah. So Justice Lodge, tell me about some of the some of the memories you guys have uh, from conception to now that would otherwise be unknown. We, we love covering the, that, those bits of history that just aren't out there. Give us some fun stories. Well, cops, Alex, don't have fun stories in front of public. Not for public ears. All right. One of the funniest ones was the day we received our charter. It had been signed, signed, uh, seal put on it, and the Grandmaster decided at that time that he wanted to deliver it himself. So he comes to Abilene to one of those meetings, and before he ever unrolls it, he's still holding that charter, that thing that we had fought for nine months to see come to fruition. He's holding it in his hand. And he makes a comment about how we're all responsible to make sure that nothing offensive or defensive comes into the lodge room. I mean, he's talking about weapons at that point. 
mm. and made that comment. And he says, I know I'm in a room full of cops. Just kind of wonder how many are packing. <laughs> Everybody just kind of. Normally people <laughs> enjoy making eye contact with the Grandmaster, but uh, not so much that day. <laughs> so now, now that brings an interesting topic up and it, it's not related directly to the history of Justice Lodge, but in Kansas, the stipulation of weapons and the lodge room. What about it? Is there an official opinion? We, so we, we've had this discussion in the Kansas Freemasonry group, and there's a lot of go back either way. And I'm not going to drop names, but even some Grand Lodge officials were in like, support of it. And, you know, basically saying, oh, there's there's more than, you know, out there and, and, and stuff of that nature. In other jurisdictions, we we've gone back and forth with the definition and clarification of the offensive and de- uh, defensive. And if it's actually, you know, enough into the ritual or if it's just a suggested charge or yada, yada um, within Kansas as as two past grandmasters. Have you known of a official stance on that? Um, no, the, yeah, there's no bylaw on it. There's, it's it's not in our bylaws. Or it's in, it's not in our constitution. As that's far all as, we're going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we're going to leave it because that'll start a fight. That's a safe place. That's a safe place. So one other point I'm thinking of with with Justice Lodge, we're, we're talking about the separating factors of the affinity style lodge and the blue lodge. Those, those scares of you're going to steal our members. Uh, you're going to take over you. If you're not happy at home, you need to change your experience there. One of the major factors that I see that differentiates you guys from any other typical lodge outside of the affinity lodges is one, you guys only meet quarterly four times a year. And two, I don't see you guys meet at the same place twice in a row, if ever. Well, we travel so that we can go steal those members. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that was one of the concerns that we tried to quickly allay uh, as we were being formed. Because with the way the bylaws and the Constitution were, you know, we were going to have to be an occasional lodge. And the occasional lodges in Kansas are only required to meet once a year. And damned if we were going to meet just once a year and being cops you know we can't meeting monthly would have been very strenuous for us and having a fixed home location was going to be not sure. not right so we wanted so we vowed from the very beginning and put it in the bylaws that we're going to meet at minimum four times a year and we have done that every year um, and we travel we try to bounce east to west uh, where we're meeting that doesn't always occur, but we do have to get special dispensation just like every other lodge that wants to hold a meeting outside of their charter home. So three times a year, we are applying for and paying for special dispensation to travel. And it's been met with great success because we invite, again, everybody's invited and we try to publish what we're doing, where we're going to be and who the speaker is, or where we're going to have a meal at. And that generally gets a fairly good following or attendance from the local brothers. That's fantastic. So I guess one of the other questions that comes to mind for me is law enforcement does not work regular hours. And, you know, 
even for regular lodges with daytime working brothers, sometimes that lodge schedule can be hard to meet. So with law enforcement working crazy hours, how has that impacted your guys' ability to successfully run meetings and an officer line and all that uh, with schedules? Well, meeting only four times a year, that calendar set early enough on, that guys should be able to ask for that day off. But then the rest of it comes down to the same communication expectation you would expect of any lodge officer when they can't make lodge because they're holding to a higher obligation that they simply let somebody know in time to replace them. I mean, it, it, for us, it happens all the time. We have, um, we have, uh, in fact, our last, our last meeting, our senior deacon couldn't be there for a conflict. And so I think I grabbed the actual grand senior deacon and had him, uh, had him occupy that chair for us. So it's, we've used local brothers with that in the past. It kind of helps. It incorporates them as a part of the meeting instead of as a guest in their home lodge. So, um, and interestingly, I can recall very clearly again, talked about memories, Alex. Uh, we first started our fundraiser was a, a pheasant hunt out in Graham County where Cole's a sheriff. And we met at, uh, the Millbrook lodge there in Hill city. And a couple of the brothers, that attended our meeting were on duty in uniform and they had an earpiece in. So if something went on, I mean, maybe, or I'm, I'm sorry, they were probably on lunch break. There we go. In case any civilians are watching, <laughs> they were on their lunch break with an earpiece in, in case they need to go out. But it was, I don't know. It was just very awesome to see them there in their blues. And uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And you know, that, that kind of alludes into another point of many lodges have uh, efforts that they do outside of the actual meetings. And that is no different with you guys. What are some of those efforts and uh, pushes that justice lodge has done outside of just meetings? Well, we hold a, a charity pistol shoot uh, every year. Uh, we used to, as a part of our annual meeting, do a pheasant hunt and a, and a skeet shoot. Um, that had kind of, worked itself into a chore instead of an adventure. So we, we moved on for it from it, but every year that, that, uh, that pistol shoot is designed to raise money for Kansas concerns of police survivors, who's an organization that takes care of the families of an officer who's been killed in the line of duty. Um, that typically turns out very well beyond justice lodge members and beyond Masonic brothers. We open it up to anybody who will come, who's got a connection of some kind to us. Um, we've had typically several non-Masons come, uh, to be a part of that because they want to support the work that's there. That's our biggest one. And through that, we've gotten to meet some great people with Kansas cops, uh, some survivors, some wives, sisters, uh, family members of killed officers. And it can be very emotional sometimes. And we we see the other side of what we do and yeah, let us know what we're raising money for. You know, that that's also a beautiful and needed area um, that Freemasonry is able to show its face because of your guys's efforts and, and, and being that type of a lodge and connected uh, with those law enforcement families. I, I would say another Effendi lodge, the Tuscan lodge, um, Several times they have 
used, they gave us a very large donation, pass-through donation uh, for Kansas cops. They've applied for matching funds from the Kansas Masonic Foundation, uh, which if you don't have something like this in your state, you should. Um, but they've given that to us to give to Kansas cops because they believe in that mission as well. So we've, we've appreciated that um, from those non-cops. That's fantastic. And I, if you guys don't mind, you had shared with me a couple photos in the very beginning of some of your charter members. Is that cool if we throw that up? Sure. All right. Let's see. So tell us where this is, when this is, what's going on here? This is our uh, second meeting, I believe. After we had been officially chartered and which we received our charter. So this is in Abilene, yep. which was our first official home. And then, of course, you see there at the time, uh, most worshipful Grandmaster Bloom, who brought our uh, who brought our charter to us that day. Very cool. And so what is it about the guns? So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now what is it that uh, made you guys choose Abilene as your originating home? A central part of the state that wasn't Salina. Um, and we had uh, a couple of brothers from Dickinson County that could help facilitate local, local stuff. And, and the other thought kind of was, as I recall talking with uh, Mike and Cole and Russ, it's kind of a, historical Kansas town. I mean, we don't want to go out to Dodge City to hang our charter out there for a lot of us <laughs> time. That was a long ways away. Now, certainly we would. I mean, it's a beautiful historic lodge in Dodge. But Abilene was, again, centrally located, and it kind of has a history. I mean, people That's a cool-looking lodge room. Yeah. If you say Abilene, Kansas, everybody knows. I mean, Eisenhower's from there. It's it's a great western Kansas town. When you say Justice Lodge is chartered in Abilene, that just sounds right. Well, there you go. That's fantastic. Let's see here. What's interesting got, while you're digging for something else. Yeah, go for it. The, as Cole alluded to in that February of 2010, well, 2010, I think it was, we had that district area deputy orientation meeting, which the plans for Justice Lodge were patched right there. The following year, that 2011 annual communication was in Salina. So those two meetings both happened in Salina. So the thought of it happened in Salina and the fruition of it happened in Salina. And following that annual communication, the Grand Master came up to Salina 60s Lodge Room in that same building and installed the charter members right there. So everything came weirdly came full circle all in one place. That's very cool. You know, I, I'm thinking back. Um, I just had the the pleasure of coming out and being your guys' presenter uh, just earlier this year uh, at, where was that? Emporia, where Grand Lodge has moved out to, uh, Emporia Lodge there. And one of the really cool factors that had stuck with me, uh, Brother Cole, you were sitting as master and you had integrated some of the 10 codes uh, into the meeting that really really kind of set the mood and it just made it this unique atmosphere, but it also, you know, for anyone out there thinking, Oh, well that may take away from it. It didn't like it worked beautifully. Um, if you'd share with us just a little bit of your thinking behind that and what, what brought that about? 
So the first disqualifier was that was all done outside the bounds of the ritual. We didn't violate any ritual by adding those nope. things in there. I'm going to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> the point of it was to generate that atmosphere. Um, yeah. Over the radio, that's how we talk. Face-to-face in person, sometimes you will hear us use those codes. And to us, it was as though we said the words. It's weird to lay folks or folks that haven't been around that. Um, but to us, it's, it's just an everyday part of our language. And so it's just a part of, um, recognizing and, and, and setting that environmental tone of this is, this is who we are. This is who we are. And this is how we talk. Right. Yeah. That, that's beautiful. It, deeper thoughts than that. <laughs> it, it, it honestly really led into setting that tone. It just, it, made it different than any other lodge experience I had been in because it really, it just brought it home for me. I was like, that's really cool. That was perfectly fitting. And, and with that, uh, last year we added our first communications officer, a dispatcher uh, to our ranks. And for many of us, especially, uh, we all went through the night shift and that communications officer um, at certain designated times or whatever his thing tells him to t- ask us, he does this what's called ten seventeen check-in. He has nothing. He or she has nothing for us. He's just making sure we're doing okay. And this year, as Cole took over as master, he instituted that into our meeting. And Cole, if you want to elaborate on that, because this is not this is something new for Kansas lodges. Uh, again, it's not called ten seventeen check-in other lodges, but for us, Cole's added, and we are adding something new. So. From a Masonic perspective, what we've done is we've added an almoner to our lodge ranks. And his function is beyond the roles and responsibilities of a chaplain to check on the physical and practical needs of the members of the lodge. His duties are to keep in regular contact with the members outside of our normal chain of communication, to work with the secretary for um, access to to matching funds should they find themselves in crisis, etc., and then his job is to report to the lodge how the brothers are doing. And so when it's when it's time for that report, the gavel sounds and the master says, Brother Almoner, 1017 check. And he gets up and gives his report. Um, and Almoner's box is passed around to support um, his endeavors. And um, away we go from there. So it's, it's still building, but uh, he's been able to gather some information that typically a master or secretary would not for fear of embarrassment that a brother might not want to report something that that could work. And so um, our hope is that it streamlines how we get them the aid they need when they need it. Yeah, that that's really cool. So it's, it's kind of comparable to like a sickness and distress section uh, within a typical lodge meeting. However, you've gone that extra mile and now you have somebody that that's kind of a full-time job of in between meetings. And I mean, that would be so cool even on a lodge aspect, but I think it's more important for you guys because you go much longer in between your meetings. And our first almoner is a dispatcher. Um, So it's very fitting um, for him. And you know, we watched him come up even before he was a member, and uh, he's a very good fit for us. I mean, because, and he may end up being an officer soon, um, but he shared some of the things he's gone through as a dispatcher, um, things you just can't imagine. And uh, it, it puts a very unique perspective for some of us 
uh, about the other side of the radio. And him doing this above and beyond what the chaplain does is incredible. And it's, again, it's what we do. Yeah, uh, yeah, not not cut that down at all. Dispatchers definitely have a uh, unique and intimate side of that job for sure. I know uh, my my cousin has done that job out in Colorado, and I've heard some crazy stories that way. Um, also, R.J. Johnson, who hosts the uh, Wince Camu podcast, his wife is a broadcaster up there in Illinois, and uh, yeah, she's had some horrifying stories that they have to deal with on a daily basis as well. So they definitely uh, definitely get a tie into it. So. Well, we are at 8.56. We're coming up on that 9 o'clock hour with our official toast. I want to give you guys an opportunity for any final thoughts as we approach the end of our discussion. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk a little bit about who we are and what we do as far as Justice Lodge goes. Um, it maybe helps to highlight why we thought sought to create it in the, in the first place. Um, we're not big braggers. I mean, we're not, we're not the guys that will go beat on the drum and say, here we are, look at us, but we're very right. proud of in our 11 short year history of what we've been able to accomplish that has impacted Kansas masonry. I mean, not just being the first affinity lodge, but um, things like the consent agenda, uh, changing bylaws to allow other affinity lodges. Hopefully we see other lodges take on that, that almond role, things like that. And so there's, I'd be lying if I, if I said there, there wasn't a sense of pride and, and helping to shape the culture of Kansas masonry, but that's, that's not our focus. And that's not, that's not why we exist. Um, you know, it, it Freemasonry is what brought Darren and I together. Um, it is. and absent justice lodge, that connection wouldn't be what it is today. And that's, that's my biggest takeaway from it. It is justice lodge has, it provides me uh, with something my local lodge can't. And, um, many times I, I mean, respect what it is. I consider Justice Lodge more of my home lodge than my actual home lodge. And it's sometimes difficult for me just to drive five or 10 minutes to attend my local lodge meeting. But come time to attend Justice Lodge, I'm rip roaring ready to go the day before. And, it's, and I'm out the door on the way, pumped up going and pumped up coming home. Uh, it's that's just, how it should be. But that's the way it was designed. Um, right. For that group of people in Justice Lodge, that style isn't for everybody. Um, and we invite people to check out Justice Lodge or any Affinity Lodge or any lodge they might be interested in. If there's anything that we've said on this podcast that you want to know more about, whether it's the consent agenda or electronic background checks or how do we do background checks? Imagine that in a police lodge. We do them and it's <laughs> very intense. And we'd be happy to help with that. If you're wanting to start a lodge, and Alex, I know you've talked about it several times, we'd be happy to assist in doing that and whatever we can. We want to see brothers get the best experience they can get out of their Freemasonry, wherever you're dispersed. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I'm sitting here is I'm hearing what you guys are saying is, you know, brother, the Masonry in itself is this, is this brotherhood. And often enough, we can't put words to that quite appropriately to fully express what that means. Well, not being a police officer, I, I can still see that that law enforcement community also has that same brotherhood aspect to it. And then combining these together, I can totally see where that just connects the dots on many levels outside of that. I have to say just hands down, you guys 
are killing it and have changed my expectations for what masonry should be in Kansas. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to travel far and wide and oftentimes I'm stuck with, man, masonry over here is so cool. I wish I had that at home. Masonry over here is so cool. I wish I had that at home. Seeing what you guys do at Justice Lodge has made me thought about becoming a cop just because I want to be a member of Justice Lodge because <laughs> you guys have a freaking awesome lodge. I mean, really, you guys are one of the premier lodges, in my opinion, in Kansas. Like you're doing it right. And that is emulated throughout. And I'm not blowing smoke here. I really, really enjoy how you guys treat masonry and approach it. You've done fantastic with it. Thank you, Alex, but you're still going to get this ticket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to have to show a little leg then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump over to our nine o'clock toast real quick. And then we have two questions or comments uh, from Brother Chad over on the YouTube side. And then we'll wrap things up. Brother Cole, would you mind offering us a toast this evening? Once you started this toasting tradition, especially during a time of COVID, it became critically important that when we couldn't meet together, that we always found a way to remain connected. And that has always resonated with me. And so the easiest way to kick that off is just to simply say um, to all Masons, wherever so dispersed. You're here. Cheers. That is beautiful. Thank you, brothers. Now, we have these two comments I want to get to real quick from Brother Chad over on the YouTube side. First one he says here, there are stories about the Masonic Police Club in New York uh, where you have to be in law enforcement and a Mason, two big ones. Then he goes on to say, number one, boatload of planning uh, and lodge done without the burden of jurisdictions. And two, the charity done for widows and orphans of those killed in the line of duty is nothing short of amazing. And you guys often, you know, as we talked about, touch on those within Justice Lodge as well. Sure. Um, I'd love to learn more about who they are and find a way to connect with them. And, and with that, one of the stories, um, and again, cops, I have a ton of stories. And I've been taught a lot of lessons in and outside of Justice Lodge by, by cops. But... I don't know if it's occurred at our first or that meeting in Abilene or the, the third meeting. I, again, I'd have to look because I remember writing it in the, the notes that I took. But a tornado had hit down here south of Emporia somewhere, I think. Again, I'd have to look. Don't remember. Uh, but it came up in the sickness and distress portion of our meeting. And a officer had his house destroyed, uh, as I recall. I think that was in... And his name escapes me, and I apologize for that. And it was determined that we were going to do a pass the hat right there. And I remember one of our members standing up from the sidelines, pulls out his wallet, and that money he has stashed away in the don't let the wife know pocket there was a $100 bill. And he pulls it out and takes it to the, the, the altar and puts it on there, and he goes, he made just sit. There you go. And... I was just in awe of that. I mean, it had barely been mentioned. He didn't know the guy, but because it was an officer in distress, uh, again, that's what we do. And nobody was looking. 
and he did what was right. And we made, not made, collected seven or $800. And I don't necessarily recall that the foundation was doing matching funds then, but uh, I was just so impressed. It's what I felt was a young Mason, a rookie cop, seeing that from a guy who was a retired cop. Just setting the example for me. So. That's beautiful. Well, guys, we are at 904. We have had an excellent discussion this evening. You guys have shared some amazing history and enlightened us on how Justice Lodge came about as a lodge, but also how it paved the way in Kansas for affinity lodges in general to exist. I've had the opportunity to attend with you guys. And as I've said, it's been a beautiful experience. I want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show and for all you do for the craft of Kansas and masonry. We have Brother Maddox in the comments talking about Kansas leading by example. And that is very much exactly what you guys are doing over there at Justice Lodge. So thank you for all you do. I want to thank all of you joining us live this evening and catching us in the recording or over on the podcast side. Uh, appreciate all your support. And until next time, keep preserving history. And we will see you on the next episode. Good evening, everyone.